Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are concluding a very brief look at the 12th chapter of Romans today. And you'll remember from last week that Paul wrote to the Roman church as a kind of, as a way of introducing himself. I'm going to be in Rome later on. I'd lo- I want to sit with all of you. He was getting ready to ask them for a very large offering so that he could, in his mind, make his way up to Spain and some of the outer reaches of the Roman Empire. For he felt that God had ordained him, appointed him, selected him to be an apostle of Jesus, the last one of all, that would go out to all the Gentile world and bring the gospel of grace into all the world. And so, in the midst of writing this letter of introduction, he suddenly finds himself in much the same place as he found himself when he was writing to the church in Corinth. He wrote under much different circumstances that church in Corinth was a very backward, stiff-necked, rebellious bunch of people. And he, in the middle of all of that, he sat down and he wrote that incredible 13th chapter of his first letter to the Corinthian church, Love is. Love is all of these things. And he wrote it in the form of really a song or a hymn or a poem. And uh, this 12th chapter of Romans sort of explodes on the scene in just the same way. As he's gotten so caught up in the marvelous work that God has done to take the promise of the Messiah that was given to the Jews and bring it to its fulfillment through Jesus Christ so that it might also be salvation and light to all the nations as he's talking about how God has saved us all by grace through faith. And although the wages of our sinfulness is to live in a world of life and death, that in Christ we now have a new life. He's so caught up in all of that that he begins to just explode outward. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Present yourselves, all of yourselves, together, one body, as a living sacrifice. And then we come to the verses that we have today, which begin with a thematic sentence. Let your love be genuine, is how it's translated in a lot of your Bibles. But what it really says, a better translation, maybe a more appropriate translation is, When you are loving, be affectionate towards one another. And that's a a strange thing. Did did you think of love as being something that's not necessarily affectionate? I have to talk with young couples when I'm counseling them for marriage about how the vows, you know, the pledge that I will love you and I will have you and I will do all of these things. And it says in the middle of that to love and to honor And do you know what the word is next that comes? To cherish, not obey. Whoever said obey, I want to talk to you after church. (laughs) It's the church's way of understanding that love can get through all the brambles and all the brackets and all the brackish places. But it's one thing to love somebody through thick and thin. It's another thing altogether to cherish them. To place them in a place of preeminence in your life. You say, you're more to me than the person I come home to at night. You are my breath. You are my life. You are the pulse in my veins, and my pulse quickens whenever I hear your voice. 
I cherish you. I cherish you above all things. And Christians, when you are loving one another, be affectionate. Cherish one another. Love one another. Then he begins to lay out the way in which we should do that. And you can take this last half of the Romans chapter 12. You know, one of the projects that I think would be fun if you're looking for a devotional project is just take each little phrase that Paul lays out here. They are marks of what it means when we're, when we're on target. It's what it looks like when we're getting it done right. And just take each phrase and put them on your calendar over 10 or 12 weeks and say, this week I'm going to focus on this one, outdoing someone else with zeal. And in another case, I'm going to work on not harboring anger towards somebody or repaying evil with, with evil. And just take each of those phrases and say, this is going to be my meditation point. This is going to be my practice this week. Am I, as a Christian, affectionately loving God's creation by practicing in this way? It's a very practical template. We don't have time to go through each phrase or each thing, so I encourage you to have your Bible open on your lap and to look at the ways in which you can bring those things to life. But I do want to talk about the shape of how it unfolds. Because you see that same shape mirrored in a number of places. Most specifically, you see it mirrored out in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Where chapter 5 deals with a lot of heart work and a lot of personal things. And chapter 6 deals with how the church deals with one another and with God. And chapter 7 deals with how the church goes out into the world to deal with the world. Do you see the same thing happening here in this 12th chapter? It's Paul's way of saying, like Jesus said, that if we're going to really love in the way that Jesus loved, and there is no other template for Christians, there is no other way to be in the world. If you're not loving like Jesus, then you've never really loved at all. And if you are going to love like Jesus, then it all begins in the heart with this affectionate, genuine love for one another. And from there begins to Move out in the way that we treat one another, being kind to one another, looking out for the needs of all the saints, taking care of one another in all of our circumstances. And from there, then it moves out another ripple into how the church interfaces with the world. If possible, live in peace with all people, says Paul. And do not, do not, do not repay evil with evil but repay evil with kindness, leaving room for the God who is the judge of all things to do God's judgment. As my friend once said to me when I was trying to damn a person, he said, God will, but Bill, you have to give God the time and the space to do it. Do not take those matters into your own hands. Does that make sense to all of you? And here's why Paul says that's the important thing. Because whether you want this to be true or not, as Christians, we are living in a fishbowl. And the world is watching us. The world is watching. We have told the world about the inexhaustible love of God in Jesus Christ. And we have made the mighty claim that this love cannot be spent down. And so the world will test us at every turn. What if I treat you this way? Will you still love what if I treat you this way? Will you still forgive? 
What if I do this to you? Will you still give me a smile and a wink and a nod? What if I do this to you? Does your love extend that far? And I tell you, as a pastor, many days I can't even get beyond the end of the church before my love has reached its extensions, let alone interfaced with the world. Of course, nobody in this room falls under that. But you know what I'm talking about. We might think, hey, this is just an insider fight. It doesn't matter how I treat my neighbor or it doesn't matter whether I have a fight with somebody at the church, but the world is watching. The world is watching. And they're wanting to see if when we make this claim about the inexhaustible love of God, we're telling the truth. Or if there are, in fact, limits to our generosity, to our forgiveness, to our ability to absorb suffering on behalf of others so that the innocent do not suffer any longer. Is there a limit to our love? We have to make the love of God real in this world. It's why we come to church. It's why we have this communion. It's why we are reminded as we sit around this table of the suffering of God. It's also why I was sitting out on the patio Friday night and yesterday trying to hand out buckets. I, I got to share a little one. I got to tell you, this is my confession time. We always confess before communion. But Tuesday, Pastor Jerry came up and said, it's, it's street fair weekend. Is our church doing anything for street fair? And I just said, oh, Jerry, I've had a long, hard summer. And even though I was grateful for a few weeks of vacation, it's just been nonstop since I get back. There's three whole days, Jerry, three whole days on the calendar where I can stay home. And, and college football season is starting. Jerry, I can stay home. You know, and I was thinking, I'm ready to go home and relax. And then I got home and I opened up Facebook. And one of the pastors in Houston who did not open up his big, large church for people was being crucified by everybody. How can you be a, such a hypocrite and not open your church? And I'm going, yeah. <laughs> and then the Lord said, uh, Pastor Bill, um, Pastor Bill, there's some Methodist churches in Houston who can't even gather this weekend. I say the most honest prayers of my life in those moments. I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this. I'm tired. It's too much. Oh, Lord, thy sea is so great and my boat is so small. I can't do it, Lord. And the gentle, comfortable presence of the Holy Spirit says, I know you can't. Nobody can. But I'm here. I can do this, Bill. I don't know how you're going to work it out in your life, but if you don't have that kind of relationship with Jesus, then you're not really loving at all. We each have to do our heart work and from there, extend it to one another and love each other affectionately. Now, in my house, affectionately means a slap on the back of the head once in a while. It's why I'm bald, as a matter of fact. 
Well, the back half is why I'm bald. The front half is for me going like this <laughs> after I became a pastor. But, but you know what I'm saying. And friends, in this room is where we give it the dress rehearsal. This is where it's safe to love the way that Jesus loved, all the way to the cross. And what are a few minutes, a few moments, a few dollars of inconvenience when we can bring light and life and salvation to people who've been struck by an unimaginable storm. Love. Love that goes all the way to the cross, all the way to the tomb, all the way to the resurrection and is seated at the right hand of God. That's how we do it, by tapping into Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit and then in our flesh, and with our hands, bringing faith to life so that all the world can see. Amen.